And we're back. It's 2021, and this is the first episode of Inside the Squad. We really didn't have an agenda on this on this podcast. We just we just spoke. We just talked to each other, and we actually had a really good time. We did introduce our newest lieutenant to admin services. Uh, our former lieutenant, Lieutenant Matt Guard, he went to patrol, and we now have Lieutenant Randy Shear. And we had a good conversation, and we hope you enjoy it. Don't embarrass me, Ian. Oh, I am. Lieutenant what, Ian? Oh, I'm sorry. Well, he's our new lieutenant of admin services. There we go. And he's he is uh, he's just getting thrown in the hot seat today. A little bit. Yes, first day. First day. Night, last week doesn't count. He was learning last week. He was, I don't know. Friday felt like it counted to me. So. <laughs> That's true. But we brought him in because... Uh, the rule has always been that captains aren't allowed to have fun, and Cap here has been been hiding. He's been he's been sliding by, remaining on the podcast, and two, two so years, my, two years for two next years, month. which we've had fun. Demand. But my question is, because I'm just, I'm just throwing it out there, <laughs> is Sheer taking your spot? I like him there. <laughs> uh maybe i'm not i'm not gonna give an answer on don't that. go i i, I don't enjoy, go brain i enjoy it i really enjoy it we do have fun yeah and there's plenty of seats in here to where lt can he can play as well yeah it's i mean it's just not an opportunity that many captains kind of get to get to do so i'm not I, joking when i say captains can't have fun here because they're not allowed to do specialties Right, can't be on specialty anymore, and obviously, rightfully so, because you have other responsibilities, and it would become a lot. But um, this is one to where this is nice because it just breaks up the monotony of all the administrative stuff. I understand. I enjoy it, and we've got a good chemistry going too. I like that. We not, do have not, fun. Not that Randy wouldn't bring a lot to the table, but we'll see. Well, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. I can, no. the, I can be the silent partner in this one. So, so just to give the audience a little uh, little background on you, so tell us who you are. Well, I'm Randy Shear. I'm a lieutenant at Lafayette. I've been here for 15 years now. Uh, I've served with many hats here. I've been an officer for eight years. I was at the street crimes unit. I went to the drug task force, and then I was a commander on Red Knights since 2017. Really? You've been there that long? Yeah. Yep. Coming from DTF? Coming from DTF, yep. So just come off midnights. Midnights. So waking up in the morning is something new to me. Now, you've been technically on this schedule now for a week. Do you feel better? Then uh, what? Yeah. What, what do you, you feel mean? better? Then what? Better oh, I'm sorry. Than I'm sorry. What? Let, me, let me put some context to that. Working at night is is we're not really made to be up at night and sleep during the day, and so now you've been on a kind of normal schedule. No, I'm not adjusted yet. No, no, I'm still waking up at like two o'clock in the morning, wide awake. Friday last Friday was horrible. I got up at two and then I didn't go back to sleep until probably eleven p.m. the next night. So yeah, it takes a while. Yeah. That, that's you know they talk about the adjustment going from. You know, like evening shift and midnight shift, and that's significant adjustment. But I think the adjustment going from midnights to days, that takes a long time, especially if you've been on midnights for any length of time. Yeah, so 17 years I've pretty much been working 
the night shift. I had a short stint when I was at DTF where I was doing some daytime stuff, but majority of that time. I guess you have, haven't you? Yeah. We worked patrol back in the day together. You did. And now we're back together you again. Up. What's that? I had to train you up. Tra- you did have to train me up. <laughs> we did good police work, though. We did. So, but he has, well, you're also on the SWAT team. SWAT team, yep. So, SWAT really, team, we've been. years. 13? Man, time's flying by. It is crazy. Right, Patty? Right. I mean, that's, it's, it has flown by. I have a video of us. Uh, actually, I got a couple of videos of, of Randall here. And one eating a gas station. What was that? It was like a jalapeno Something. pickled sausage lost on midnights one time. Lost a bet. He lost a bet. Oh, and the look on his face, I have it captured in the video. It's so great. But then I have another video of when we – and actually the SWAT competition's coming back, but it was the first year. Was that the first year you were in the SWAT comp? It was know. the first year I think I was a part of it, which was back in like 2010-ish. Uh, but I have a video of us, and it's kind of funny kind of going back and looking at it. And like we all changed a lot. <laughs> Just our – you know what I mean? Well, I like how you're talking about funny videos because I have a funny video of you as well. Is it appropriate for this podcast? It's uh, <laughs> probably not. You were dancing to Britney Spears in uniform. Hey. And I've, and I've got that. I may share that, Patty. I may get with you on, toxic? on sharing that. It might have been toxic. No, that was I'm, way I'm before. Sure. That was that was a long time ago. Toxic wasn't even out yet. <laughs> <laughs> See, okay. We're feeling good. This is good. Yeah. Well, you can put that so, on the, fa- the uh, city's Facebook page, right? Well, It'll trend. It'll go trending. Hey. <laughs> So, no, I'm I'm really gr- glad you're here. I think it's going to be great for you, uh, you know, for your career and learning new things. Um, well, you know, one of the things that LPD, I think, has always done has tried to, um, you know, get professional sergeants groups. and look. Yeah. yeah. I thought you were struggling there. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, I, I wasn't struggling, but thanks for thinking that I was. But. Just trying to get sergeants and lieutenants uh, into different roles and different divisions, kind of give them a different perspective. And uh, I think that helps um, when they have new assignments and they go different places because um, it just benefits the officers and detectives and, uh, and it benefits the agency. So, so a, lot, a lot of agencies don't do that. I and mean, you get stuck in, in one division, you could be there your entire career. Yeah. I'd be interested to see – well. You're the best person to ask here. Maybe Patty. I don't know. Do you have any? You know, all I know is LPD, and it, you definitely gain a lot from going to different roles, right? And not only the knowledge, but just perspective on how things actually operate and why it is we do this or that or the other. Um, from what I know about the private sector, I almost feel like you could or you do get stuck in a role, right? Is that is that fair to say? I mean, you could. You could stay in the same position for you. Now, you could do that here, but they're not necessarily looking for professional growth, or are they? I, I don't know. Oh, no. I, I, to the contrary, they absolutely are. Oh, okay. Yeah. But you oh, – all right. Well, here, though, we – you're kind of voluntold, hey, you're going to this spot. Does that happen in the private sector as well? Uh, sometimes. Yeah. I mean, I think every employer is a little bit different with regards to their, uh, the development of, 
you know, uh, frontline supervisors, their uh, middle managers, upper management. I mean, I, they kind of look at things differently. You know, no, it's not a cookie cutter approach. I think if that's what you're asking. Oh, okay. I mean, ours really isn't, but we. But there is a thing to where once you get promoted, you know, it's kind of out of your hands ish mm-hmm. where you're going to go. You know, when yeah, they decide I mean, you're going to move. I, I think the private sector probably looks at evaluating skill sets a little a little more than maybe. Uh, the public sector does, and you know, f- from that perspective, uh, oftentimes in I think law enforcement as a profession, you end up with you know people that get moved around that don't necessarily have a skill set for that particular area that they're going to, and then it's then it's a development process, right? And and sometimes a baptism by fire, you know. But in the private sector, I think there's a lot more of that identifying of particular skill sets and then moving other people around to make room for someone else. And, and that happens a lot more often. But, you know, you're talking about private sector businesses that are in business to you know make a profit every year. You know, public sector is yeah, not that way. That's, that's fair. And it's not like we're throwing them in. I mean, yes, it's a new position, but we do a good job, I think, of leaning on each other and, and helping Absolutely. each other. Yeah. And yeah. it's, it's a, you know, I think it's more cha- it's much more challenging in the in the public sector when um, you find yourself you know in a position to where you're going to get moved to somewhere out of your comfort zone and have to challenge yourself and then find those resources and lean on other people like you said to adjust. But yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely much more challenging in the public sector. What do you think, Randy? Well, I mean, with that being said, I. I am excited to be here and working with you guys, and I look forward to this. So it is going to be a challenge, but I think I got a good team that's going to help me along, so I'm ready for it. Yeah, you know, and you take a look at the last, you know, going last four or five months. So actually, the last, the second half of 2020, there haven't been a whole lot of outreach projects. Most of the things were put on pause. Uh, there were so many things that we weren't able to do. Uh, you know, we were able to, you know, do the uh, foot pursuit. Five, the foot pursuit 5K for the Hartford House, and that was a huge success. But you know, aside from that, um, and all the precautions that we took, and and a lot of planning went into that. Um, there hasn't been really any outreach programs that we've had a chance to kind of, you know, the neighborhood talks have, have, uh, those were paused and the, the, the opportunities for us to teach, uh, out there for, you know, a lot of businesses and schools, those were paused and, and you know, coffee with a cop was paused, but Ian did a great job pivoting on the national night out. That was, that was a huge success yeah i'm glad yeah because i i forgot to mention that that was a big one huge mm-hmm. the kona ice for the national night out that was huge we were thinking outside the box you were thinking outside the box on that one i think it's going to be bigger this year just throwing that out there uh, okay you're going to be manning the second truck more food <laughs> trucks awesome <laughs> i think so i think I, I really to talk about that that event real quick uh the way we reached out to I think, well, a thousand people, more. It had to have been more. We had a thousand cups. And, you know, not to mention people who didn't get Kona, but come in Sedello and whatnot. So, uh, you know, th- this year will be nice. I was going to say for, for uh, Randy, you know, in six months, we'll come back and see how he likes it and how it's changed. But we almost got to wait a year, especially because of COVID, right? Because hopefully, as things 
open back up when we get back to doing our normal business, then he'll really get to see. And I almost wonder if that's going to take the whole year. But, uh, yeah, I definitely look forward to doing the National Night Out again, the foot pursuit, which, by the way, uh, for those who may follow that, the check should be coming soon. Again, because of COVID, we couldn't get that check cut. And we uh, raised even more this year than we did last year. And we had a great turnout. We had a great turnout, but we actually were 100 runners less again. Things just keep happening, but yet we keep becoming more and more successful. Because the first year we were a little over 400. The second year was 300 runners. And this year we were at, well, 250 registered because uh, we capped it because of COVID. Is but, that is that including the virtual runners? We were still under 100 or 100 less? I mean, roughly. It wasn't quite 100, but it was it was less. But... Uh, Men's first place virtual. That's right. Champ, champ <laughs> right here. Men's first place virtual. Alan? You know, it's probably been said before, but one of the big things that's come out of COVID is the way the community pulls together. 100%. It's yeah. so much more generous. And so I'm sure you had a lot more donations without participation. Uh, it's it's awareness and, and people just want to give and recognize that they have maybe come through this so far unscathed in a manner of speaking, it's all to a degree, but um, recognizing that so many people have lost loved ones and, you know, lost their their earnings, uh, you know, their way of life. And so because of that, people just naturally want to give more. You know, I've, I've got plenty. Let me give some to you. Maybe make your burden a little bit less. And that's that's just amazing. And the fact that we get to, to see that here in, in Greater Lafayette is incredible. Yeah, I totally agree. And actually, the foot pursuit is a great example of that because we've raised more money with less people, mm-hmm. which obviously means that you know those in, those people were giving more money. We had more people giving more, uh, which is awesome. I mean, we we always say we live in a great community. You know, very good relations between the the citizens and police. And, uh, you know, we just want to keep building on that moving forward. Right. Uh, you know, another thank you, and hopefully they're listening, but the businesses that uh, donated to our um, uh, shift bid event. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that, that was yeah. huge. Amazing. Can you say yeah. that again slower? Sh- I'm sorry, shift bid. I had my brain wasn't working. Uh, yes, the businesses that donated or the individuals that donated to our shift bid. So, Every year, our patrol division gets together before the uh, net new year, and they bid for their next shift for the following year, right? So instead of Randy going back to midnight patrol, his his new shift is admin services, right? But the patrolmen, they do go by their seniority, and they bid for what shift. So they want days or nights or red shift or blue shift. And, uh, you know, historically, it was just one of those deals to where you had to show up at very early in the morning and there was a what a quick speech by the chief and then it was all right pick your shifts and you know i was we were like hey they've been doing great work all year round why don't we acknowledge their efforts and let them mingle because if you didn't know half our police shift or uh, police department doesn't see the other half you know they're really segregated because of the way their shifts fall and uh, so we've turned shift bid into kind of an event to where they can eat breakfast and and hang out and chat and catch up. And then we hand out some awards. So uh, but the only reason that we've been able to 
to make that an event and is because of uh, our community partners. So I really, really appreciate that and um, just keep keep doing stuff like that moving forward, you know. So It's very positive. Yeah, it was great. It was great. And again, like Patty said, in times to where, you know, not much going on, people are, you know, hurting financially, mentally, you know, you name it. Uh, it's just really cool to see everybody come together. So it's going to be good this year. It'll be good. I think 2021 is going to be a great year. But 2020, wow. I'm glad you're in our rearview mirror. Yeah. yeah. I recommend. You know, but here's the thing, though. We we got stronger. I mean, we learned things. We, I mean, seriously, though, think about it. You know, we, we can touch on the riots. Yeah, I mean, we went into that something we haven't dealt with since, or well, I don't know if LPD was involved at Purdue, but mm-hmm. well, I'm they saying were. they oh, were. But that what year was that? Ninety what? I'm not sure, but I mean, there's things pop up all the time. There was a, a are you talking about the football game where they decided to take down the field goal? I mean, there's all sorts of things where the the riot squad goes out and. I'm talking where multiple agencies come together to deal with an incident. To where people are actually trying to, they're committing crimes. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it was protests, right? It started yeah. off as protests, and, and and then when it got dark, obviously that changed, and um, and and there were there were criminal acts that were you know being committed. So, and and we saw that throughout the country, right? I mean, we saw peaceful protests all over the country, and then there were particular groups within the larger group that would create problems and and start committing crimes and you know and that's unfortunate very unfortunate yeah so i mean my point is is that i know i never had dealt with anything like that before randy no no, this was this was the first you know i think i think every officer for the most part out there that was uh, you know something they'd never dealt with before but you know we learn from it we grow from it we get stronger from it and you know more prepared uh, to protect uh, you know our community Honestly, that's that's the way I look at it. Am I glad it happened? No, but you know, on the same token, you know, the silver lining is we learn from it. Yeah, and there were some cities in this country where it didn't stop all the way through the summer and yeah. the fall. It didn't stop. Yeah, I mean that. You know, I feel sorry for those. Yeah, what was Seattle? How many affected? days? It was hundred plus days of street rioting. Yeah, I could only imagine. Crazy. You know, in the midst of that, we had a. Presidential impeachment and in Detroit as well. Yeah, Detroit. Yeah, presidential election and a lot of a lot of stuff happened in 2020. Yes, yes, it did. Again, but we're still here, resilient, learning, keep moving forward. Right. That's how I look at it. What do you think? Bunch of businesses closed. No more neon cactus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that's a that's a really good point because you know I know I know we're kind of getting a little off topic with regards to you know um, police work and how you know the you know this profession's impacted, but you know the the service industry. I I don't know that we're going to see the full impact of that until for another six eight months. You know, the businesses that just even those that are trying to come back that won't be able to to keep it afloat. 
you know that that's just staggering and it has a huge impact on on communities like ours and others throughout the country but we, you know we had a you know what was the uh the business grants that were and, that, and i think that's still CBG, community development yeah, block grants yeah, yeah you yeah, talk we about gave that out, uh two rounds of those in 2020 um so those are federal funds and they're usually used for housing and uh for people in in need of services uh but we switched that out the city did to uh, offer no interest loans to small businesses who qualified uh, start out in in one particular zone and then you know eventually we're able to open that up a little bit so you know businesses that have 50 or less employees um there's you know people it, it's hard to understand where all of the funds come from that we are responsible but this was a, a federal incentive basically that they gave they distributed to mun- municipalities and said do with this as you see fit and you know, everybody knew that small businesses needed the money. And so we made a, a strong effort to distribute that appropriately to small businesses. You know, the state had, they started out with a, a free marketplace for small businesses to get personal protective equipment. Mm-hmm. You know, you could just sign up online and get face masks for your employees and sanitizer and all sorts of things. So it's, uh, I think, incredible the way that, that all of the government entities have been responding to the needs of their communities whether that's the state or the county or the cities and uh yeah we've those block grants i think have have made an a a good difference so that's you know just one of the things that we've done and we've been in in greater lafayette projects continue as far as construction and you know that's keeping all of those people employed and the suppliers and everything like that. So we've we've really been fortunate in that manner because there are so many major projects going on right now, and we've we've had a little bit of criticism um, on social media. People saying, "Why are you spending fifteen million dollars to build a stadium when you can give that money to the people?" It's not quite that easy. It's not like we have this cash that we're just you know deciding where to spend it. These are loans or um, uh, grants, and we are, you know, we're basically the city's taking out a loan to pay for construction of new projects that will return in, in the investment in the community. Sure. Yeah, in the meantime, we're em- employing, oh, you know, yes. construction workers and plumbers and electricians and, you know, all those people that facilitate that, that process. And, right, right. You know, those are jobs. They sure are. About the the fresh eats, the outdoor eats, that was really pretty cool. We that did that was year. that was uh, a lot of the credit for that goes to Dennis Carson Economic Development, working with uh, the Friends of Downtown. Um, they decided to to figure out a way to still get people down there. You know, we did we did things like we lifted the the parking time limits downtown when everybody was staying at home, so they could come down and park at the curb and get their carryouts. Um, and then this fresh air eats was, you know, when we decided when it, when it was summer, it was warm out, and, and restaurants could spread out outside and have their uh, meet their minimum requirements as far as distance and and stuff. They um, fresh air eats was a, a cool program, and 
it will probably be reimagined at some point for 2021. I nice. hope so, because that was amazing. It was. And it was. just being on a patrol function, yeah. going out and seeing how populated it was in there, and just right. still maintaining their social distancing. Yes. But it was great, because you could see the citizens of Lafayette coming out and they're supporting the local businesses and giving back. Right. You know, me personally, I've never eaten out so much in my life than I did in 2020. <laughs> it's your responsibility. Yeah, that's, and that's, you know, we talking about how the citizens were coming out, and, you know, everybody was helping each other out, and... Right. And I think people really, they understand more that it's not just, it, I mean, you can't, you can't get upset because of something, you know, that they, they didn't have my food ready in time. Whereas in 2019, you would have been upset that you didn't get the proper service. You didn't get, you know, it cost you extra time or you had to drive somewhere. In 2020, people were really, really considerate of each other. And they understand that, you know, okay, so the Chinese restaurants open up again. Yeah, it took 45 minutes for me to get my order, and I had to go back out to my car to wait, and then I had to go in to pay, then I had to go back out, and then I had to go get my food. Uh, but the, it's it's okay. You know, this is, this is what we do, and whatever. This is um, people really, I think, learned patience. Well, it's another silver lining of we take things for granted. And then, you know, something like that occurs and then you're like, oh, I guess that really isn't that big of a deal. Right. Right. And, you know, again, not saying I'm glad any of that happened, but, you know, it's almost like a a needed reset of your mindset of things. Right. That, okay, maybe maybe what I once thought or I got frustrated with or, you know, whatever really wasn't that big of a deal. And that's just kind of how I look at last year is just taking the, you know, what I learned from it, you know. And every, people um, were looking for guidance. And, you know, Fresh Air Eats, another thing about it was that people missed walking around downtown. We have such a vital yeah. downtown, you know, whether you're looking at the architecture on the buildings or just people watching. Uh, it's just, it's a gorgeous downtown. And people missed that. And so when we had something like Fresh Air Eats come and on the weekends, you know, that was an opportunity for you to get back out and get downtown. And it's, it was just so cool to see everybody out. Well, even when we did, I totally agree. And even at the foot pursuit, you know, it was, it was chilly that morning. It was. <laughs> it was chilly. But guess what? People were coming out there. They were running. We had, you know, there was just such great participation. And you could tell that people were ready to get out. They were ready to get out. They were ready to, to move. And, you know, I'm just glad that we were able to do it, obviously, for that sake and obviously uh, to donate money to the Hartford House. And uh, But, again, all learning opportunities and, and and moving forward and you know with all that that portion of it I think it's awesome that Randall's here because now he can kind of he has a more insight than any of us on the patrol side of it what you guys were seeing so I mean could you tell um, obviously you could tell but from your years of experience what was different about last year I mean what really sticks out to you everything was different from last year everything I mean just just the way that we functioned as a police department, our patrol patrol division. You know, we like our guys to be out there. We like them to be active and stuff. But then COVID hits, and now we got to be concerned about what happens if one of our officers gets sick. What happens if one of our officers comes into contact with someone in the community and we spread the the disease? We spread COVID, or we wipe out an entire shift. Yeah. So there was a lot of uh, safety precautions that went in, and you know. 
our mask protocol and we were doing things differently. Like before COVID hit, I mean, one of the big things in patrol is your roll call. That's where you come in, you get your information, you get a chance to socialize with your shift before you go out. And we had to stop that. I mean, we had to we had to do stuff differently. So, I mean. When you as a boss, too, sorry, I'm going to chime in here, but you as a boss, too, being able to see your, your officers, and I think that's an important part of roll call, too, right? Yeah, there's there's definitely the social aspect of, of the roll call where you kind of want to get your officers in the right mindset before they go out because, you know, a patrolman, he deals with a lot of different kinds of stress throughout his shift. And then that roll call is almost like that release, and you, you can, you know, get yourself ready and, and enjoy yourself, you know before you go out and you handle all of the, the problems and stuff that you're going to come into contact with. But yeah, I mean, it was just, it was definitely a different year. Um, I will say with all the civil unrest in the, in the nation, I didn't feel it here in Lafayette. Like I felt overwhelming support from our citizens. And that was, that was awesome. That was really awesome. Yeah. No, absolutely. I totally agree. I, it I mean, seemed to me like it was an opportunity for those, the silent majority, to actually speak out in support of the police. Yes. Whereas before they would have just said, oh, it'll be okay, they're fine. Um, but there were times when people said, that's enough. I've, ha- I've heard enough, and here's what I have to say. Yes, definitely. And the guys realized that, too, because they would come in, you the only thing they're seeing is the media national media all this that's going on all these people that are protesting the police you know um cities not backing their officers and that was that wasn't here right i mean we we felt support from you know from everybody in the city including the mayor we felt support through our from our department and then i'm telling you we couldn't go a day without having food delivered because there was somebody in the community that was wanting to show their support and they wanted to support their police officers they were buying food so it was amazing it and really i saw amazing. that not just for the police but for all city departments i mean oh yeah the, the, the fire and street and sanitation got so much love during all of this it, it's i mean they're great guys and they do an amazing job and and what they do is you know year round um so i i'm i was very encouraged that people took take the opportunity now to say, I appreciate you. I appreciate you. I recognize what you do, and I think it's important. And that's why I, every time I'm out on a call or talking to the media, I'm, I'm like a broken record. That's why – that's what set, uh, sets us apart, right? And I think that's why we thrive is because those relations. You know, I tell people all the time, we can't do our job to the fullest of our abilities as a police officers without the community's help. You know, there are our eyes and ears, right? And so times like this, it obviously just shows that, you know, us working together, coming together, I mean, that's what makes Lafayette Lafayette such a great got place this. to live. What's that? We got this. Yeah. We got this. Yeah. But when, I, when we say we, though, I mean everybody. Right. That's that greater Lafayette. Here. Yeah. And so. Well, and remember the, 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 um, the support that was given to our frontline emergency workers in the hospitals, you know, nurses yeah. and doctors and, and the vigils that took place and the caravans of people that would drive through at, at IU and, and, uh, and uh, Franciscan Health. And, and that, was, that was just really cool to see. That was really neat. And, oh, and I'm yeah. sure that happened throughout the country, you know, in different communities as well. But, you know, those, those were people that uh, – and, and their trauma that they're still dealing with. Right. And that, you know, no one, no one's really kind of, you know, 
dealt with that head on yet and what kind of impact that's going to have for our frontline emergency workers for the next couple of years. So real quick, and we can, we can talk about that too, but, um, Randy, what, so COVID you said, Hey, you know, we had to look at not impacting a whole shift and whatnot. And I definitely think, you know, we've had guys, I've, I had COVID, right. We definitely had several officers that have had it so far, but luckily it's, it hasn't taken out a whole shift or, you know, a whole division. And, you know, so that's been good. If, if people don't know, you know, the, the different things that we put into place, um, especially like responding to calls, right? Uh, hey, you might receive a phone call from an officer versus him showing up. You can talk about that. I mean, what was the uh, feedback from people? Were, were they understanding or yeah we we didn't get any pushback from our, our protocol changes and that that was one of the things that we did is we um we would take reports over the phone uh, prioritizing it, it, yeah calls. we would prioritize our calls if it was something that the officer didn't necessarily need to respond to to take the information we would do it that way um we got a new software that we're working with axon and they have this thing called axon citizen so that was allowing uh, officers to basically collect photos and stuff that people would send to them. So, that, I mean, it was there was a lot of things that we did and we changed that was beneficial because it also – we were still out there taking the information. We didn't just give up. We didn't just throw in the towel. You know, we we're still responding to the calls for service. It was just in a different way. And so with that being said, though, again, learning, coming stronger, more efficient – I think that now's the time to implement what we've been wanting to implement and is, you know, systems like that software that help us gain that information, but don't necessarily uh, tie up an officer for a situation that they don't need to respond to in person. Yeah. Right. Yes. And yes. so that creates more time for them to go out and be proactive or handle those, those violent, you know, uh, crimes or calls or what have you. And so, um, you know, hopefully, and again, this is what I talk when I go to these uh, neighborhood meetings and whatnot, that Lafayette's getting bigger. It's only getting bigger. There's more people, businesses, right, which is a good thing. But our agency isn't getting bigger, <laughs> right? And so we have to we have to be able to utilize our resources in the best so we're the most efficient, right, and still make this place a good, safe, and beautiful place to live. So with that being said, I mean, I just want people to know that if they do do uh, see us operating a little different, such as, hey, you know, we're not going to have officer respond to this. And this being, you know, hey, uh, the example I always always use is you have a uh, lawn ornament or something that is missing from your yard, right? Normally we would send an officer to that, but you know, if there's no suspect and you're not sure who it was, um, you know, an officer may may take that over the call or um, take that call over the phone. And so, you know, really I'm just preparing people for how we have to change so we can continue to provide the best service possible. Is there anything you want to add into that, Larry Cap? No, no, I, I think that's that's spot on. I think you and Randy hit it perfectly that, you know, when, when you take a look at the allocation of your resources, um, you know, for a, you know, I, I've always kind of thought we've been cutting edge when it comes to that as an agency. I think there are maybe are a lot of agencies out there that have had to um, – force themselves now with COVID and what that response looked like and are probably evaluating about, you know, hey, you know, maybe we can actually 
divert some resources somewhere else versus actually sending officers to all of these types of calls, you know, what's that look like for us moving forward as an agency? I, you know, I think we're ahead of the curve when it comes to that. Uh, technology, you know, is being driven, I think, in, uh, you know, the way we investigate these crimes now, too, with ring doorbells and, <laughs> and surveillance cameras all over the place. And, you know, um, you know that that's big. I mean, I mean, that's just... Uh, in, in my neighborhood alone, I know there's a lot of houses that have, you know, surveillance cameras that, uh, you know, are picking up things that are beneficial for, for crimes. Well, I, was, uh, I did an interview with the media the other day, and uh, prior to that I was talking to detectives, and they said that the exterior cameras, you know, there's a bunch of different ones out there now, uh, but they've been significant in in investigating these crimes that happen. So, you know, um I think that's yeah. a, probably a global shift. But beyond that, it's turned into more of a community or neighborhood effort. Yeah. Um, especially as evidenced by Nextdoor, you know, the, which is an app designed to bring neighborhoods together. Um, you know, people used 2020 to see that they needed to get together as a community. And it, it really brought together, maybe not in person interaction but because you know we had to cancel the stars and stripes on the 4th of July there were a million neighborhood fireworks shows across the city yeah. which is really cool and you know so that brought neighborhoods together and you know using next door they stay together now and it's it it's kind of gelled that way and people recognize that there is this resource to them and it's it's kind of an extended family it's like you you need to know who your neighbors are and, and talk to them, and it, you'll benefit from it. Everybody will benefit from it, and especially as far as crime because, you know, there's so many messages out there. Hey, keep a lookout for this car that's been driving around and, you know, parked outside my house for an hour or whatever. People are, are sharing more than they have. Well, I think, yeah, absolutely. But the necessity of actually in person too, right? Yes. I mean, yes. that's yeah. – I think – we kind of, again, took for granted, you know, being with people and. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And the, the psychological toll, I think once again, that that is another aspect that we have yet to fully see the impact of. Right. Yeah. I know when I was quarantined for those 10 days, I love my family to death. <laughs> 10 days. Ooh. That's right. 10 days. <laughs> but I mean, my point is, is it, it you know, it was just it was weird knowing like, OK. I uh, can't leave my house, you know, and the interaction and, and, you know, cause I'm, I'm a, believe it or not, I have energy and I'm an active person. You could have gotten like in your car and, and driven around though. We did do that a couple of times. We hopped in the car and drove around just to, to get out of the house and, you know, but I mean, just the whole point of interaction with people and knowing it was okay. Here's an example on that Saturday night, the week, cause it was one weekend, um, uh, during our 10 days. I saw like my neighbors out moving and going and then maybe that following day we went and I'm, I'm with you. I, we ate out so much in 2020, you know, to support local businesses and whatnot. And, uh, but anyways, and the waitresses and waiters and, and, but, uh, <laughs> so we drove around and I saw these people out and about and doing their thing. And I'm like, I'm not allowed to talk to them or, or not talk to them, but, you know, interact with them. And it was just, it was a weird feeling. It was weird. That was like, you're isolated in your vehicle. Don't be going out and 
you know, interacting with people and you got to go back home. It was to me, it was strange and, you know, definitely not who I am. And so, but 10 days, though, come on. You could do anything for 10 days. Oh, we did. It's called video games. (laughs) I was an early adopter of COVID and I contracted it in June. Um, Because of that, and my husband is also a city employee, not only was I quarantined, but he was isolating as well. Um, We were lucky enough that we, you know, he'd stay in the front 40, I'd stay in the back 40. We didn't, we only shared a refrigerator and a microwave, but um, he was home for 24 days Ugh, because because at the time you know the, the rules were changing cdc and the county nobody really knew how long we should do this and because <laughs> so he ended up being um at home for 24 days or maybe it was 20 i don't know but it was right in the middle of summer and we couldn't go to the pool and it was awful for him <laughs> so with that being said though at least you could go outside Sure. And like sit on your deck or your porch or whatever Not because turn the sprinkler on. <laughs> it's been freezing. So we were just, you know, it's like you can't go outside and play. You can't, you can't go sit on the porch because it's cold outside for us. Right. You know, I yes. can't lay out back and get a tan. Right. Like I had, I had to stay inside. And yeah. so it is worse in the winter. You're right. There is a, a, a divot in my couch now yeah, you're, from you're that 10 days. You're fresh air. <laughs> I mean, but, and mm-hmm. that, you know, that says another thing is like how necessary it is for us to, to be outside. You know, to to, right. to have that optimal health. I mean, we need to be a part of nature. We need to get out. We need to move. And, man, when you're stuck inside. But that's, you know, me having to quarantine for 10 days, you know, with my family. Again, that's. Yeah, it's minor. It was good time. It it's was minor. super minor. I'm right. just complaining. But it was super minor. Yeah, I'm just thankful to have my have a job. And, you know, everybody's good right. now. And But, uh, yeah, how did we even get down that, that road? Yeah, I'm not really sure. Um, no, but so anyway, well, oh, COVID and <laughs> and as far as um, patrol officers and whatnot. And so luckily, knock on wood, we've made it to the point to where officers are getting vaccines now. And so, you know, hopefully we're getting to the point to where we don't have to worry about it as much as far as, you know, losing multiple people at a time, uh, which we didn't. So thank goodness. And we were able to to remain uh, staffed and, and do our jobs. But uh, I'm just curious at as far as operations, I, I don't know what was, so what was the biggest differences that you saw, you know, on, on patrol during last year versus our normal operation? Well, one of the biggest things, I mean, I haven't looked at the total number of calls for service, um, but right when COVID hit, our calls for service dropped dramatically like it at night when I would be working, it it was on our screen. The officers are blue when they're busy or they're green when they're en route to a call. I'd always look at that screen and it would be blue and green. Like it would, it it would just be like the, the guys were responding to calls during COVID right when it first hit, it was white. Like it was quiet. Nothing was happening, and then I noticed uh, at the and end the of screen the year, white, the lettering's white, right? So it means yeah, they're yeah. available. They're available for calls. Um, and then I was looking at the—I I can't remember where we were at, but it was somewhere around seventeen, eighteen thousand uh, reports or something like that. And we're always twenty plus, twenty plus thousand. And uh, 
that that was that was unique. That was really unique for us. So I mean, it, definitely the the calls for service and stuff. So do you think it was because people were doing their part and staying home or whatnot, or do you think it was kind of a culmination of well, obviously they're staying home, but businesses are also closing early or they're not open at all. I mean, because when so. people are out and about, obviously you know, businesses and all that. I mean, that that's part of what we respond to. Yeah, so right when it first hit, I mean, this was brand new to everybody, right? I mean, we had no knowledge of this. We didn't know how it was going to impact us. Uh, people were scared. And I, I really do. I think that kept everybody inside. And I imagine there was a spike after a week or 10 days of the stay-at-home order when people were really getting on each other's nerves. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Uh, we did see some, some more calls for you know, domestic mm -hmm. situations where people were arguing inside their houses. So I, I actually did a, we did a interview about this. And so I had Nora look up some stuff. And as far as domestic, though, it wasn't like spousal. It was siblings. Yeah, it was, it was, it wasn't. Yeah. So normally we don't okay. get that as much. Obviously we do. I uh, get it every once in a while, but it wasn't, uh, or I guess, our normal domestic as uh, in our world, right? It was, uh, what else? There was another, it was just, you know, people who aren't normally fighting, fighting, because like you said, right. they're stuck it, in a house together. There, there came a point when we realized that mental health is, is an important issue right now. And I, I know I posted one graphic that, that had little smiley faces, a, a frowny face, an angry face, a happy face, and a neutral face. And the post, the gist of the post was, it's okay to feel mad or angry or uh, helpless. It's not okay to act on that. And that was, that had a, a big impact on me. And I think it was a popular post too. And it's like, you know, here are your resources. If you're having trouble, reach out to this or, you know, Here's here's some things that you can do, um, because that did become a, a big issue when you've got a stay at home order and people don't know what the impact is or, you know, they're worried. Am I going to catch something? Am I going to die? Am I going to, you know, this yeah. is going to change my life forever. So it was it was a very important thing to to recognize that and, and to reach out to people. So with that, with all the emotions uh, coming from the unknown. What did you see? Did that affect the officer's mentality when they're out there doing their job? I mean, I'm, there, there's concern, especially at the beginning, because we didn't know. We didn't know what was going to happen. Um, and then we were going through different protocols. We were changing the way that they were, they were policing, throwing a mask on somebody, requiring that they wear a mask. You can't come in the building without a mask. You guys got to be separate from each other. I mean, there's, there was a lot that the officers took on. But they were resilient, and they adapted, and they continued to do what they had needed to do. Yeah. I mean, so at the end of the day, though, they, they were coming to work and doing their job. Work, yeah. We, I, I never had an issue on my shift where someone called me and was like, hey, I'm, I'm too concerned uh, to, to come into work. I never had that. Never had that. We they, also they had serve. so much so, I know at least one officer, and I'm sure there was a couple, um, they – quarantined they would live somewhere else so they could go to work yes. because their family they they didn't want their family they self-isolated they self-isolated somewhere else yeah. in a completely different location 
just so their family wouldn't get it and so they can continue to go to work. Well, especially if you had immunocompromised family members in your right. home. Yeah. Uh, and that's very common. And, you know, as, as cops, I think, you know, especially work in the street, we always would do what when we got home? Put our, leave our boots in the garage, right? You know, and sometimes, you know, strip down. Uh, depending huh? on what kind of calls you've you had, yeah, I mean with the clothing, your uniform, you may have things on your uniform that like go right forever, the... not just during COVID. <laughs> well, no, I mean like I always took my boots off in the garage. I huh. never my my shoes never came in the house oh. when I was working the street. They always stayed in the garage, um, just because of where we go, the scenes that we respond to, and. You know, like if you go into a house where there's known bed bugs or oh, yeah. wherever. Oh, I'm just saying, like, yeah, I mean, you know, there's a lot of the huh. different different things. I'm guessing somebody didn't do that. I'm guessing somebody didn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, he was in an admin position for a long time, though, he before he retired. For a long so, time. He drove yeah, you may not remember when he was working the street. Come but, on. Uh, <laughs> Come on. I mean, I know his his rise was meteoric, but I remember. Yeah. And I mean, he was on DTF too. So, yeah. And you take a look at the, you know, the frontline workers, you know, my wife's a nurse and, you know, she had never, had never done that before. And what I noticed is when this hit, she was doing exactly that. I mean, her shoes, they still stay in the garage, you know, she's barefoot most of the time. Yeah, that's true. Flip flops. She's (laughs) usually wearing flip flops. Um, but I mean, and her, her uniform would stay in the laundry room right off the garage. It would go right in the washing machine and, you know, and that's that's how her life has changed. I mean, you know, think about, you know, for us as, you know, work in the street, those were that we just kind of expected that. Right. I mean, we've known that we we came up that way. We were trained that way. And then now our spouses are doing the same thing. And that's tough. You know what else I think is admirable is, is when all this hit and the police had uh, changes into their PPE and had to wear masks and stuff. They were scrutinized like never before. We got notices, hey, I saw this cop. He he was out talking on a on a call, and he wasn't wearing his mask. It's like, okay, so that's the flip side of the community thing and everybody watching out for each other. You know, you don't – I don't know what was going on on that call. And from the view of the photo they sent, I could see there might have been six feet between people. But it's like, okay, all right. <laughs> what are we going to do with this? And so it was it was sent up the chain and, and people were educated and uh, people in the department were educated. It's like you people are watching you. You have to be a, a role model. You have to be a leader in the community. And so that, you know, that was an adjustment, I think. Yeah. yeah so- dur- during a time when there was already a tremendous amount of animosity towards law enforcement. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It you was, know, and that, it and timing wise for covid, um, you know. Uh, on the heels of, you know, Minneapolis and and the things that we saw in this country, yeah, right. it was you were you were under the microscope, way way more intensified than it has been in the past. Yeah, there was definitely a learning curve for the officers too, because that was brand new to them. Sure. So they're used to, you know, especially if they got something a little bit hot or something that was a little more serious call that they were running to, that the mask was definitely not their first thought. So we right. had a lot of guys that were jumping out on calls and then they'd be out on it for a little bit and then they'd go, oh, they'd be looking around and seeing everybody else in masks and then they're running back to their cars and getting their masks and stuff. But yeah. It, it, yeah. I think, so I think we all had that done. You know, I'm, I'm great. I, um, I wear my mask everywhere, but when I go to a restaurant, because I do eat out as well, I take the mask off when I'm starting to eat. I forget to put it back on when I get up. It's yeah. just, it's a thing. You have to retrain yourself. And two, uh, 
as far as, you know, not being initially being a priority, hopping out on a call, to me, it's a, it's a barrier. You know, if I'm, even for me, you know, now behind a desk, like if I'm speaking with somebody, we, we want to make sure we're heard. We want to make sure we understand or they understand, you know what I mean? Like that whole communication process. And so I feel like, you right. know, uh, my office, partners, they have that mask on. It's almost like this barrier when you're trying to investigate something. So it comes down. So it, it is well known what we're, what we're saying. I mean, you think that's fair as far as being on a call again, especially initially when we weren't really used to it. You know, if I'm going to talk to somebody and they don't quite understand that mass is coming down and I'm going to make sure that it's clear what I'm saying. No, that- I, I never experienced that, but I could, I could definitely say that from you. Ian. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. You were telling me that last week. You were getting all mad at me because you couldn't tell if I was yeah, joking or th- not. That's a prime example. Well, like- you just need to learn how to read eyes versus well- facial expressions. I guess <laughs> I did get, but that that's a big a thing about communication is, is looking at someone's mouth or face. And, and that's a, that's a big thing as far as communication is concerned. But when you're just looking at eyes and then you hear this sound coming from their face, I'm telling you, read it, <clears throat> Google it. I, th- I think it's an Ian problem. It's an Ian thing. That's definitely an Ian I think problem. it really affects yeah, everybody. We, we, we you think so, though? That. Honestly? That's, that's an Ian thing. So yes. if a guy's out on a call, an officer's out on a call, and they're talking to somebody, and they're like, I don't get what you're saying, or there's this weird, what do you think the first thing is going to happen? They'll try to explain it a They'll different way. They'll just yell way. it louder? Yeah. Oh. I'll explain it a different way if somebody doesn't get it. I'm not saying like as far well, maybe that's, I guess it's an excuse then. The facial expression thing, though, yes, it's been it's been a different, right? The when when you're talking to somebody and you're trying to figure out are they telling the truth, are they lying, like what's going on here, and really all you can see is their eyes. I think that's huge, right? It's just body body, body language as well. Lot, Captain, I do agree with yeah. that. But what's yeah. that? I said eyes do tell a lot, but yes. But I think with overall, like when you're or you're used to investigating, you're used to talking to people, and you're looking for different things, and then all of a sudden. Now there's a mask there. Yeah, that does change things. That, but that makes sense. Sure, Ian. You say <laughs> so. With, so. With, with Alan, help me out here. Isn't it a barrier as far as socializing when somebody has a mask on? It is. I don't, I don't think your voice comes across as clear. I don't think people pay as much attention because they just don't see your whole face. They just see ears and eyes. Yeah. Maybe eyebrows. Alan? Hey, it's, it's all in the eyes. Not real well. It's all in the eyes. It is not all in the eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Especially when he comes into my office and he's like, how you doing? And I just get this stare from him. And I'm like, is he being serious or like, what's going on? Am I in trouble? Look, God, I didn't, don't think I did anything stupid in the past 24 how do you, hours. How do you take how are you doing as being? Might be a so, little bit defensive there, Ian. Yeah. What's up? I don't, I don't have anything, but. Sure. When all I can see is his... I, I think maybe his lieutenant <clears throat> probably needs to pay a little more attention to what uh, Sergeant O'Shields has been doing here lately. Huh. Getting work done. Getting Don't done. come in my office with your creepy <laughs> eyes because it doesn't matter <laughs> if I'm doing good things or not. I can't tell what you're trying to push out there. No, I, uh, you know, I, don't, I don't necessarily like to live in the, in the past, but I uh, definitely think that, you know, again, I... I do I like everything that happened last year? No, but I think we learned a lot from it. And I think that it only made us stronger. I really, truly believe that. You know, and so moving forward, um, you know, hopefully we can begin implementing 
events, right? I'm I mean, sure. is there is there talks as far as doing the t- – t- actually, I know downtown's planning on an event next month, which I won't really – get into but i mean things are looking different there's there's a new normal and it's different um and and that's not a bad thing you know Eh. it is a bad thing Uh, yeah i mean is it yeah i think if we can't socialize and get together like we used to i don't i don't think that's a good thing yeah no but like you said we're learning how to how to get around it we're learning different ways that we can achieve the same goals. It just looks a little bit different. Now, what do you think, Alan? I, I don't like that you can't be around as many people. I can't see my parents. I can't see my sister. I can't see the kids. Yeah. I, I can't see – I haven't been to any of my uh, extracurricular clubs, scuba diving, all that got canceled, can't fly, can't go anywhere. This is – not how I want to live, and I don't want it to be the new normal. I think it's just fair to say it's just it's still really too early to tell. I mean, even with the vaccinations that are taking place and the talk of herd immunity um, and what that's going to look like, we're still talking about fall to winter of 2021 before we get there, and that's with uh, an even more robust vaccination process underway. Uh, yeah, I'd, I I don't know. I, know, I, think, I think the challenges for us as a society are going to continue through 2021, you know, and it, it worries me because you have so many people that, you know, just from a health perspective, you know, who wasn't going to the doctor to get their checkups? Who wasn't going and getting annual um, testing uh, for preventative type of testing? You know, and then now what's that looking like now? I mean, we're starting to see some of that data come out on cancer and the, and the number of cases that, you know, you know, people weren't getting, you know, you know, mm-hmm. examinations that not as early effective. detection. And, and so now that's having an impact. Um, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of people out there that are, are, are scared and are not sure what's going to happen. So to your point, yeah, I agree. You know, we get stronger from the things that the adversity that we go through. And I think for 2020, you know, that's kind of how you have to look at it. But I think you have to be real about what 2021 is going to bring as well. No, I agree. I think we're all just going to have to keep pulling together in order to make it happen, in order for us to get past this. And that means, you know, wearing your masks and staying socially distant and observing, you know, protecting your social bubble. Um, it's as long as we have people who refuse because it infringes on their rights or whatever their reasons are, then, you know, that's more people who, well, it's longer it's going to take us to get past it. And that's just a sad fact. And that's an opportunity for us to come together. It's like, you can do this. Just just do this. Help us all get past it. It's a good way to end, Patty. Thank you. Is that it for today? So what did you think? I don't have anything else. Well, it was your first. It was fun. Right? This was good. Good conversation. He was very relaxed. He was very relaxed. That's that look I gave you about 20, 30 minutes ago. I know. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I got you. Now we'll uh, – so now the the next step is what uh, Cameron is facing. It's like, listen, you're going live. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Baby steps. No, I, uh, I'm i really, really looking forward to you uh, being a part of the the group. I think you're going to do great. 
We're going to have fun. Cap, we'll let you do three more podcasts. No, I'm kidding. I'm glad everybody's doing well. Everybody's good, right? You know what? This year we're going to do, what's it, is it the beers on the Wabash? What is that? The uh, Beers across the Wabash. Beers across the Wabash. You, you, I'm going to see you with your pretzel necklace on that you're and i will let other people eat off of it there you go see (laughs) that's that that, that's how 2021 is going to be drunks that just come up and take your pretzel optimism necklace optimism they're a dollar because it's it's make your own you've made your yeah it's tough they they sell them outside for a dollar the sororities or whatever uh-huh. Okay, well, I would like to remind everybody that every blood donation you give is tested for antibodies. So if you're saying, oh, I think I had it back in March last year, go ahead, donate blood, and let's see. Yeah, I, I don't think that's it's going to show that, Patty. There's some mixed, mixed research on that. I've talked you to if you have active antibodies. Active only, yeah. yeah. Um, so, I mean, it, you know, those true the science on that's just not clear yet whether it'll show if you've I, had it like i do ago. know i do know that i had it in june and i still carry antibodies do you i do wow what well, when, when did we do that last blood drive late december mm. is that when you had it or when you did the no i've been a part of the convalescent plasma project huh. so i donated 12 times at uh, versity and they tested every time and then uh, since then, I've been selling my plasma because it's important for them to continue their research, and uh, they wouldn't accept it if I didn't have the antibodies. Well, so, good for you. Thanks for doing that. Makes me feel a little bit less noble because I'm getting paid for it. Paid for it, but you know what? I can take that and donate it too. Yeah, nice. Now that's a good way to end. This has been Inside the Squad, a podcast from the Lafayette Police Department in Lafayette, Indiana. Inside the Squad is a community outreach podcast and is hosted by Sergeant Ian O'Shields, Captain Brian Phillips, and Lieutenant Randy Schur of the Crime Prevention Unit within the department. In today's episode, we discuss policing during the pandemic and how well the community has come together during the events of 2020. Remember, you can email us show ideas or questions at podcast at lafayette.in.gov or join us on Instagram, Twitter, Nixle, and Nextdoor. Until next time, thanks for listening. <laughs>